Let's stand together, and we're going to read. Oh, Finding the Rock. I'm sorry, George. <laughs> Where is he? Finding the Rock. You can go, Finding the Rock. God bless all of you that are going through Finding the Rock. I'm sorry, George, from way back in the back. Finding the Rock. All right. And if you want to move up, you can move up. We'd, uh, we got room for you now in some of these chairs. If y'all want to move over this way, because you're not going to be able to see the screen, Bridget and company, y'all can come this way. Come on over. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'm, uh, I'm excited about tonight. I've really come to to realize that the church is in a tremendous warfare, and not necessarily a defeated warfare. Uh, there's victories and there's defeats, but we're in a war, and therefore we are in spiritual warfare. And what I'm going to do tonight is going to take me it's going to take me two weeks to cover the spiritual warfare. It just I, I, I have to take two weeks on it. It still has to do with angels. We've been teaching on angels. But when I got to looking at this spiritual warfare issue, I became aware that I'm going to spend tonight exposing the devil. I need to expose the enemy. And I think a lot of Christians are defeated because we forget what we're about to read. We forget it. So having exposed the devil, Next week, I want to deal with what Satan fears most. What Satan fears most. And I'm going to get into the combat that we involve ourselves in. And then we're going to keep going on the topic of angels after that. But i got to take two weeks on the warfare issue because angels and fallen angels comprise the warfare. That's why there's a warfare fallen angels. So is that okay with y'all? It's going to take two weeks. Now, so let's, uh, I put a little quote from Billy Graham on angels that I liked. Billy Graham wrote, while we do not place our faith directly in angels, we should place it in the God who rules the angels. Then we can have peace. Now I want you to read with me Ephesians 6.12, and this is out of the Message Bible. Let's read it out loud together, can we? Our fight is not with people. It is against the leaders and the powers and the spirits of darkness in this world. It is against the demon world that works in the heavens. That's what we're fighting with, and that is what is attacking you and me in our homes, in our minds, in temptation, in finances. This is why our world is embroiled in war and hatred and conflict. It's because of demon spirits. So I want you to notice that Paul is not drawing on fables or myths or silly superstitious stories that people made up. He's telling us as a matter of fact that we are fighting fallen angels known as demons. If 
Father, we thank you for your word tonight, and we pray that you will bless it. I pray, Lord, that as we expose the enemy of our soul, you will open our eyes to the source of conflicts, and Lord, help us to fight the enemy with weapons that really do defeat him. I thank you, Lord, for bringing an answer to troubled homes and marriages, finances, to temptations, to addictions, to depression, and many things that might have, might have a demonic origin. And I thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's going to be good tonight. Now, I want to just begin at the beginning. Let's just begin at the beginning, and let's look at where the devil came from. The Bible teaches there was once a rebellion in heaven involving angels. Lucifer, the archangel, led a mutiny against God. At the time of this tragic event, I want you to know tonight that Lucifer was the most brilliant and most beautiful of all created beings in heaven. He was likely the ruling prince of the universe under God. He began a war that has been raging in heaven from the moment he sinned and was cast to earth by God before the dawn of history. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said, I personally saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That is Jesus in his pre-incarnate condition before he ever came to earth as a man. He was dwelling in eternity. And this mutiny, this uh, rebellion on the part of Lucifer happened before God ever created Adam and Eve. There was a titanic struggle in heaven. We're going to look at it in more depth in just a moment. But when Lucifer rebelled, God in his wrath and judgment hurled him to earth. Jesus, as God the Son, saw it. And he said he looked like lightning falling from heaven when he was cast down to the earth. Never to return to that position again. Now again, let's look at what he was like before he fell. He is described by Ezekiel in brilliant terms. Listen to Ezekiel's description of Lucifer. Quote, you had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. Now, there's obvious he's not talking about a man because there's no man who was blameless. Because what did David tell us? We were all born in sin, shaped in iniquity. There's none righteous, no, not one. The testimony of Scripture is that no man is born blameless. So he's talking about a created being, a created creature who was perfect and blameless until he fell. And look how he fell. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. 
The first sin to ever stain God's universe was pride. Pride is the number one beginning spawner of all other sin. Sin came out of the first one, which is pride. He, he, he was beautiful. He was likely, I didn't put this in here, but he was likely the first musician. He was musical. Ezekiel talks about him uh, uh, playing pipes. He was, he was incredibly charismatic, incredibly attractive, um, chief among the angels. He was, no doubt, an archangel. And he got lifted up because of his beauty. He was filled with pride. Pride entered into his mind. And in essence, he said to himself, I deserve better than this. I deserve better than this. Now, as is the case with all sin, Lucifer's rebellion involved others. The Bible says that a large number of the angels joined in his rebellion. In the book of Revelation, John records that, quote, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. The Bible often uses the word star to refer to angels. Lucifer himself was called the star of the morning. So John has informed us in this verse that a third, a third of God's angels rebelled along with Lucifer. John speaks of the dragon and his angels fighting Michael and his angels at the end of time, Revelations 12:7. So there we see John in the Spirit of God, inspired by the Spirit of God, seeing a vision of the devil he calls the dragon fighting Michael and the angels that have not fallen with his fallen angels the dragon and his angels so there again we are given a glimpse into something we would never know with our natural eye we would never know these things this is the beauty of the Word of God this is why you need this word all the time because this word, you open it up and it carries you beyond the veil. It allows you to see into a world that unless God supernaturally and rarely opened your eyes, you wouldn't see it. That's why it's a book of Revelation. Okay? And he's telling us, let me tell you what I really saw, that in the end of time, Michael, the only archangel, the only angel the Bible says is an archangel, He's the prince of angels. That there is going to be an end time battle where Michael and his angels are involved in an incredible spiritual conflict with Lucifer, Satan, and the fallen angels. This is not Steven Spielberg. This is not Hollywood. This is not Brothers Grimm. This is not a fable or a myth. This is revelation. This is, this is what is happening in the world we can't see. Now, Jude 6 inform, informs us that Lucifer and the fallen angels are those who sinned and did not keep their first, what he calls, their first position. When they fell, 
They had a position in glory. They had a place. They had a mantle. They had a, they had a level of glory. And when they fell, they gave up their position. They gave it up. And Jude tells us that. And he says it's Lucifer and his angels. And because of their rebellion, the angels that fell have been reserved right now in everlasting chains awaiting God's judgment. That's talking about the demon spirits that were involved in Noah's day. Don't want to get too deep and I don't want to chase a rabbit. I'm just telling you this isn't talking about all the demons because there are demons going back and forth across the world as we speak as there are angels. But there were demon spirits involved in Noah's day with the people of Noah's day and they are now being held in everlasting chains waiting for the judgment of God. Right now, that's where they are. Jesus said that these fallen angels shall have their part with Lucifer in what he called the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil, prepared for who, everybody? Read it with me. The devil and his angels. So do you see with me that hell was not prepared for man? God never intended men to go to hell. Hell, the lake of fire, in which nothing is yet, not one thing has broken the lake of fire yet. That's waiting for the end of time. But notice that it was prepared for the devil and his angels, and his angels, the fallen angels, the demons. Now, Satan's rebellion occurred when not content to serve and praise God forever. He wanted to rule over heaven and creation in God's place. This is what Isaiah tells us. Isaiah describes his evil thoughts and his words at the time of this uh, infamous insurrection. Five I wills were involved in Satan's fall. Here's what he said, I will ascend into heaven. He was saying, I'm going to go where I'm not supposed to be. I'm going to go, I'm, I am ascending to the place only reserved for God. Two, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. He said, I'm going to promote myself above all the angels of God. I'm going to put myself in a preeminent, prominent location that God has not placed me in. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And then the last one, I will be like the most high. I will be God. Now notice, I, 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 I. And what is the middle letter in sin? Now, anytime you sin, I guarantee you, I is right in the middle of it. And all you're doing is you're replicating what the original sinner did, who was Satan. Uh, he, he is the original sinner. And when he said, I will, I will, I, 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 he sinned against God. And his whole issue was, I'm beautiful, I'm incredible. God's, look at the creation that God has made me to be. I'm going to be just like God. I am not content to be where he's put me. I don't want to stay here. I want to be higher. I want to be better. I want to be worshipped instead of worship, and I want to be obeyed 
instead of the obedient. Lucifer wanted to be the Caesar, the Hitler, the Napoleon of the universe. All of his I wills reveal the nature of his actions. His was a selfish, self-centered rebellion revolving around himself. Lucifer wanted to be worshipped, not worshipped, obeyed rather than the obedient. He wanted what did not belong to him. Pride filled his heart and brought about his destruction. When he rebelled, God cast him to the earth as Jesus described. And that must have been an incredible, huge uh, event. When he took Lucifer, this mighty archangel, and in anger and wrath hurled him to the earth. I have my own little theory about this. It's just a theory. But I, I theorize that this was perhaps what happened in, in the age of the dinosaurs. Because they suddenly disappeared. Some titanic event happened where they died out suddenly. Something happened on the earth. And I'm not talking about the flood. I'm talking about way before the flood. Our earth was obviously populated by a lot of things way, way back. It could be that when he was hurled to the earth, it caused such a cataclysm that it helped to wipe out the dinosaurs overnight. It's just a theory. And that's free. You can take that home and chew on it, chew the meat, and spit out the bones. Now, think about this with me. When the, ser when the serpent first approaches Eve in the ancient Garden of Eden, his evil insurrection has already happened. We don't find him as the archangel. We find him in the body of a serpent or using the body of a serpent. No longer the brilliant archangel he'd once been. So the judgment, his fall, has already happened when God created Adam and Eve. It already happened. It was a done deal. We don't know how long before Adam and Eve it had happened, but it had happened before man walked on the earth. When Lucifer and the angels were cast to the earth, they were transformed into the devil and his demons. That's when it happened. Now, as far as I can tell, they were not changed in terms of shape or form. I, he's not running around in a red suit with a pitchfork and a tail. That's just, that is myth and fable, and that's imagination. But I don't think that as angels they were necessarily changed as they became demon spirits in their shape or form. But here's what I do think changed. They still remained spirit beings, but their nature was changed. Their motivations and their goals underwent drastic change. Instead of being dispensers of blessing, obeying God, shedding light, guiding, leading, helping, assisting God's creation, man, being a co-laborer with God, here is now how you recognize satanic or demonic presence. Satan and his demons are known exclusively by the discord they sow, the wars they start, the hatred they inspire, the murders they initiate, the opposition to God and His Word they endlessly promote. You look, just, just take the Middle East right now, and you take this never-ending bloodshed, this hatred, never-ending, endless, ceaseless war 
man against man. And as far back in history as you want to go, you can go back to the earliest civilizations on earth. Man has always mistreated his fellow man. Wars have marked and marred and, and stained the history of humankind. We have never been without wars. We've warred more than we've done anything else. There's murders. There is drug abuse. There is cruelty. All these things that we see every day on the news and read about in the paper are, according to the Word of God, have a root spiritual cause in a devil, a being, a creature who has vowed war against God before God ever said, let us make man. And the reason he attacked man and the reason he attacks you and me is because man is the crowning glory of the creation of God. And particularly if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you are covered in the blood, I personally believe he hates your guts and he envies you. He envies you because now you can enjoy what he will never know again. You can worship God. You can abide in his presence. You can talk to him and walk with him. You can fellowship with him. You can glean from him. You have been redeemed by him. And one day we're going to be in glory worshiping him endless ages upon ages of time. And the devil can never do that. So he envies you. He envies you. He envies what the blood has done. He hates the blood. He hates the name. He hates the Word of God. Has it ever occurred to you that when people in our world get angry, they don't say, Oh, Buddha! Or, Muhammad! They curse the name of God and they curse His Son. See, what we're seeing is that there is a world of conflict out there in the arena of the Spirit. And that world, these fallen angels, are dedicated to attacking you and me. And that's why we've got to learn to fight them. Now, they are God's sworn enemies. Their objectives are to bring about the downfall of nations, whole nations, to corrupt moral standards, and to waste human resources. Listen to what Isaiah said about Satan. How you have fallen from heaven, O shining one, son of the morning. You have been cut down to the earth. You who did what, everybody? Made the nations weak. One day, Isaiah goes on to predict, one day, people will stare and muse. And here's what they'll say, looking at the devil. I believe this is after the judgment of God. When we are in glory, we will look at the devil. And here's what we will say. Can this be the one who did what, everybody? Terrorized earth and its kingdoms, turned earth to a wilderness, wasted its cities, and shut up his prisoners to a living death. That's what the enemy does. He is after whole nations. And when you look at the United States of America, does this really surprise us? Look at the state that our country is in right now. We are divided. Uh, it is filled with hate, vitriol, venom, arguing, uh, discord. We are divided right straight down the middle. Look at our nation right now. Is America as strong as it was 60 years ago? Has it not been weakened? And what does the enemy ultimately, ultimately want to do to America? The enemy ultimately wants to destroy America. 
He has destroyed nations all through time. And that's why we've got to remember we're the salt of the earth, the light of the world. As the salt of the earth, salt is a preservative. It, it prevents, it withholds, it hinders decay. So we've got to understand that our enemy, this foe, this former archangel that has fallen, been judged, is out to turn earth into a wilderness to destroy the beauty of God's creation, waste the cities of, America, of, of the world. And, and if anything describes the devil, it's this one, shut up his prisoners to a living death. Just go talk to anybody who's hooked on drugs, who is an alcoholic, who is in the occult, who has some vice, some bondage in their life, and just talk to them. They are shut up as prisoners to a living death. And Jesus came to break the chains and to set the prisoners free. That's, that's why he came. Now, let's talk about spiritual warfare against God's people. Understand tonight, church, that Satan particularly attacks God's people. Revelation 12.10 calls him the accuser of the brethren. That's what he does. He hurls slanders and accusations against God's people. Daniel predicted that in the last days, quote, he, that is the devil, will speak against the Most High and do what? Oppress his saints. John reveals his tactics against the church in the book of Revelation. John writes, quote, I tell you the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Revelations 2.10. Now, chances are if we were to see some believers get thrown into prison or into jail, we would immediately start blaming flesh and blood. But I want you to notice what John says here. The devil will throw some of you into jail. The devil will orchestrate. The devil looks for yielded vessels. Those who are not even aware necessarily that they're being used by the devil. There is a spiritual influence behind many of the activities of people. I got to think about this today. You know, I, I do my best every day, get up and read the Word and walk with God. And I can tell you that every day... There is a spirit that influences me, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit influences me to want to get into the Word of God. The Holy Spirit influences me to want to pray. The Holy Spirit influences me to want to walk clean. The Holy Spirit is influencing me every day. Why is it so difficult for us to understand then that the opposite can also be true? That if you're not walking with God, if you are not yielded to Him, that you can be influenced by a spirit influenced by something that is spiritual in nature that is influencing your thoughts and your actions. And I'm not talking about possession necessarily. James said, as a Christian, your tongue can be set on fire by hell. Well, how can that be? Well, that can be because if you're not yielded to God and you're walking in the flesh, what we are shown in the Scriptures is that we can be influenced by either the Spirit of God or the Spirit of the enemy and become unwittingly used by Him. 
Now you take people who aren't even redeemed, who have no blood of the Lamb over their heart, who have never been born again, and Jesus said they were children of the devil. Jesus said that. And he said to the Pharisees, and the lusts of your father you will do. That's Jesus saying human beings can be under the influence of a bad fallen spirit and can do the beckoning of the enemy. If you're not saved, what hope do you have but you will be used by the enemy? Is this also, have you ever looked at, if you look at a, a news report even lately and said to yourself, how could they have done that? How could they possibly have done that? And then you have to remember Jesus said the devil is a liar and a murderer. He's been a, a liar from the beginning and a murderer. He either still steals, kills, or destroys. So is it any wonder that people unwittingly come under his influence and do his will? Are y'all there? Now, I know you're getting kind of, kind of spooked out here a little bit, and I'm not wanting to do this, but I'm wanting to make the reality of our warfare uh, real here tonight. I'm just giving to you what the Word of God says, and either it's true or let, let's, uh, you know, throw it in the trash and go home and watch reruns of I Love Lucy because that's all that's left. But if this is the Word of God, we're in a battle. And we've got to learn to do battle with the real problem. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. Now, Paul the Apostle went further. And he describes Satan's earthly operations in Ephesians 6. And if you could read this with me again, let's read it. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. Now, I used to read this, and I used to think, well, he just gave us several levels of satanic hierarchy or satanic authority, but he really didn't. The more I look at this, and I've checked several sources, and I'm going to tell you what he was really doing. Paul is not describing here different classes of demon warriors. It's not what he's doing. But he's giving us different viewpoints of the same thing. We are allowed to see the demonic world from four different angles. Each of the four phrases, principalities, powers, rulers, and spiritual wickedness, parades the entire demon army before our eyes from four different vantage points. So let me show you what these words mean. Can you say with me principality, powers, rulers, and spiritual wickedness. Now that's the same demon army from different angles. So here's what he's telling us. The words principalities and powers have to do with an area or sphere of jurisdiction. Now, folks, we're moving into real spiritual warfare talk here. Now, I want you to really get this now, because this is what these words mean. This isn't something made up. Principalities and powers come from Greek words that refer to an area or sphere of jurisdiction. It refers to somebody who governs or rules over a particular region. So I'm going to make an application with every one of these 
so that we can walk away with something in our pocket tonight. Are you ready? Here's the application. He's telling us that every demon has his rule or domain, a place in which he exercises his authority. This can include cities, nations, towns, any place that has received a satanic assignment. And if that little phrase, satanic assignment, is new to you, get it. Because this is exactly what happens. The fallen archangel commands demon hordes, demon armies, demon presences, gives them satanic assignments, and basically says, sick them. It's a satanic assignment. I personally believe he'll look at a Christian marriage and say, go get them. He'll look at a, a very effective believer and say, go get them. Where there is a satanic assignment. I believe there are satanic assignments over cities. You can go into some cities and you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to be severely spiritually mature to discern that there is a spirit over that city. I've been in cities that just felt dark to me. I felt oppressed. I felt this way, frankly, when I went to India. When I went to India and, and drove through these first century-like towns and places, and the whole atmosphere was oppressive. When I went from there to communist China, it was the same feeling. It was a, a, an oppression. It was spiritual in nature. I've been to American cities. I can tell you there's a spirit over Dallas. And can I go ahead and say it? There's a spirit over Fort Wolf. And you know what I think it is? I think it's religion. But, you know, it doesn't really matter as much as us realizing that this is what he's telling us when he used the words principalities and powers. Now, rulers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, is, the best translation straight from Greek is world tyrants. World tyrants instead of rulers. This word contains the idea of exerting strength and utter hardness and is portraying the worst kind of tyrant. Not in some faraway corner of the earth, but the whole world is their domain. He used the word ruler. Uh, the Greek language, the Greek tenses, everything that is used, it's a tyrant. It's a tyrannical type personality that is cruel, heartless, and hard, difficult, rough. That's the idea. Pastor, I'm getting kind of weirded out. Well, you know what? When God calls people to intercede, and we're going to see this as we close tonight, sometimes he'll, what he wants intercessors to pray over and weaken or bind so that there can be true revival is ruling spirits over cities, ruling spirits over towns, and you've got to have the discernment of God to know what they are and how to pray. But I'm telling you, when you pray that way, you are not off in la-la land. This is what the Bible tells us. They, are, they have jurisdiction over a sphere. 
It's, it's locative. It is geographical location. And I'm going to show you that in just a minute, straight out of the Word of God. So, you ready for me to continue? Now, here's the application. Satan is tyrannical, he's strong, and he is totally heartless. Totally. He is the antithesis of God. There is not one thing in him similar to God. If God is love, he is hate. If God is merciful, he has none. If God wants to set you free, he wants to bind you and destroy you. There is nothing desirable in this fallen creature called Lucifer. Now, uh, the phrase of the darkness, the rulers of the darkness of this world, that word phrase of the darkness is not the mere absence of light, but it's the absolute antagonism to light and points to a fearful power that is hostile to God who is the light. So what he's telling us by the, the, the verbiage in the Greek language here when he uses the phrase of the darkness, he's telling us this isn't just sort of passive darkness sitting out there, but it is aggressive darkness that attacks the light and works of light. Uh, the application is the darkness in which Satan operates is not passive. It aggressively attacks the works of God. And I got good news for you. It is from this darkness and the dominion of these world tyrants, Christ has delivered us. Amen. I mean, we got delivered from the dark. Thank God, because if Jesus hadn't come, there was no hope for you and me. We were in this darkness. Now, uh, then spiritual wickedness, the last one, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Well, who's that? Well, that's not just a general condition of wickedness. He's not just talking about, boy, it's sure wicked out there. But Paul is identifying the actual spiritual beings with which we war. He's, he's talking about entities. The application is we're not battling mere ideas or figments of the imagination but actual spirit beings that have long ago openly declared war on God and His Christ. And he said these beings operate in heavenly places. And what that means is in the realm of the spirit. He's not talking about God's heaven. He's not talking about the heaven where God dwells. But he's saying they operate in the unseen spirit world. They are spiritual wickedness operating in the spirit realm. That's what he's telling us. Y'all ready to finish now? <laughs> I can tell y'all are just kind of like, woo, plead the blood, plead the blood, plead the blood, Jesus. You see, you got to expose your enemy. I'm exposing the devil here tonight. That's why we're doing this. You got to expose him. You got to expose him. Now, let's read together a straight translation from the Greek language of Ephesians 6.12. Let's read it. Because there is not for us, or I'm sorry, because there is for us not the wrestling against blood and flesh, but against the principalities, against the authorities, against the world tyrants of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of the wickedness in the heavenly places. Paul is telling us this is not a mere wrestling match with an unarmed human opponent who at the worst can put us down on the mat. 
We instead face a tremendous army, all the evil forces of the supernatural world. Now I want to tie all this up with a quick description of Daniel seeing this very thing. Daniel was seeking God at one point for a revelation about the future of Israel. He's been fasting for 21 days. And at the end of the 21 days, he receives a, re a visitation from an angel. And I want you to note how this exactly lines up with what we just read. The angel said, do not be afraid, Daniel, because he fell to his face and said, oh my gosh, it's an angel. And here's what he told him. Boy, are we allowed to see into the spirit world here. From the moment you decided to humble yourself to receive understanding, your prayer was heard. And I set out to come to you. Here's the application. Can you read it with me? God hears our prayers immediately. From the moment you prayed, Daniel, I was dispatched. Catch that. From the moment. But look what he says to Daniel. But I was waylaid, hindered, stopped. By who, everybody? The angel prince of the kingdom of Persia. And I was delayed for a good three weeks. What happened? Notice the phraseology here. He says angel prince. That's a demon. And what did it tell us about the demon? He had received a satanic assignment to go over Persia. There was an oppressive demon spirit over the kingdom of Persia. And when Michael was on the way to Daniel with the answer to his prayer, this demon spirit principality, this power, this ruler, this world tyrant blocked him. Stopped his blessing. Tried to prevent him from getting an answer and discourage him. Daniel didn't see any of this. He's just praying, just like you, this week. Lord, give me this, give me that. Lord, do this, do that. Lord, I need a breakthrough. I need. And you don't know that behind the veil, according to everything we've looked at tonight in the Word of God, there may very well be a spiritual battle going on, and your answer might be getting hindered. It might be, and I'm not saying this is the case. I'm saying it could be the case. And this is why we need discernment. We need to discern, Lord, am I in a warfare here? Is that why this prayer is not being answered? Here's the application. The entire kingdom of Persia had been oppressed by a satanic angel principality. And this same principality was blocking the answer to Daniel's prayer. But look what happened next. But then Michael, one of the chief angel princes, intervened to help me. There's an angel battle going on in the spirit world. And here's what the angel says to Daniel. I left him there, that is Michael, with the principality, fighting the principality. I left them there so that I could bring you the answer. I got spiritual heavenly help. And that's why, Daniel, you have a breakthrough. That's why you've gotten an answer. Because I finally got some help because Daniel didn't quit praying. He didn't give up. He kept persevering. So I got heavenly assistance, and now I got a breakthrough. And what that angel told Daniel 
matters to you and me today because it had everything to do with the last days. That's why the battle was so crucial because so much was at stake. So here's the application. Spiritual warfare commenced between the demonic principality and Michael the archangel, and here's how it ended. The angel said to Daniel, now I'm here to help you understand what will eventually happen to your people. The vision has to do with what's ahead. And the application is breakthrough finally came after 21 days of intense warfare with Daniel receiving his answer. That, better than anything I can think of, illustrates the truth of what we have taught tonight. There were principalities, there were powers, rulers of the darkness, world tyrants who had received a satanic assignment to be over a region. So this is why I tell you, church, we're in a warfare. Now next week we're going to see what Satan fears you knowing most. So can we stand together? So Pastor Jeff, what do I do between now and next Wednesday night? (laughs) I'm in a warfare. Well, I'll tell you what you do. You understand, I'll tell you this much, he fears the blood, he fears the name, and he fears the Word of God. And you give your life over to the Lordship of Christ. You've got to do that. And God will protect you. But we're going to learn next week how to resist the devil where he flees, what he really fears. So don't miss it. How many of you needed this tonight? How many of you think we're in a warfare in Fort Worth? Mm -hmm. And all over the world. Father, thank you for your word tonight. We praise you, Lord, for helping us to see the enemy. Thank you, Lord, that your word exposes him for who and what he is. And we pray, Lord, that you will help us to go from here. And, Lord, to become prayer warriors and those who engage in a level of intercession where the enemy's power is hindered and broken and God breaks through on our city and our world. And we thank you, Lord, for a great blessing this Sunday morning. Thank you that chains are going to snap, that fetters are going to be broken, and people are going to be set free. And Satan's going to lose people and souls And we praise you and thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise tonight, can you? Hallelujah. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is Sunday. We're going to do this. Now, let's try it. Let's see how many of you learned it Sunday. He is risen. Amen. I, that gives me Holy Ghost bumps on top of Holy Ghost bumps. I just like it. All right. Sunday's Easter. He is risen. We'll see you at 7 o'clock, 9 or 11. Have a great week. And remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Have a great week.